1: Football Social Daily Premier League updates. Hello this is Football Social Daily your daily Premier League podcast which over the next few weeks won't be quite as daily as it normally is but there are still regular podcasts over the festive period so you can grab a break from your family your friends and the Endless games of charades, no doubt. There's also a few specials coming up in the next few weeks, so keep an eye out for them. Make sure you click subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify or whatever the alternative is where you find your podcasts and never miss an episode of Football Social Daily. On today's podcast, we have... Santa McGinley Yay! in the studio oh, oh, oh. with oh, Jacob Marley Anderson <laughs> as well Jesus
2: wept I have a beard do you actually, have chains?
3: I wondered how you'd get that in actually but <laughs> well, you, it's fair enough Yeah, you <laughs> have quite,
2: right quite a pale complexion like a ghost So well, I thought it was pretty good, good. that yeah, I'm Jim Salverson which is a very hard
1: name to make a Christmas pun from it turns out On Tiny Jim sh- Tiny Jim Tiny Jim... Tiny oh, that's terrible. That Not was his school
2: that's <laughs> <work. Taught> <laughs> <laughs> a nickname. nickname was his first him. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Got there first. <laughs> right, on today's podcast, we're talking David De Hare after another high-profile mistake from the Manchester United keeper against Watford. Is it time for the Red Devils to offload their prized asset? Pepper's been whinging about the Christmas fixture list and an unfair disadvantage to his players. Does the Premier League have a case to answer there? And bottom at Christmas usually means relegation, but have Watford started their great escape already? And as for Norwich and Villa and Southampton and West Ham, who is heading for the drop as we cross the halfway part of the season as well? But first, as we always do on a Monday, we're going to have a round of heroes and villains and see who from this weekend's Premier League action deserves a piece of coal in their stocking and who deserves a Christmas cracker. Can I go first with mine today? Go Go on then. Good. I don't know what I was going to say if you were going to go, no, <laughs> I'm going to crack on and do it anyway. So my hero, first off, and this is a quick one, Premier League is my hero of the weekend because West Ham should have been playing Liverpool this weekend, a game <laughs> which has been rescheduled to a later date because of the World Club Cup, which Liverpool celebrated over the weekend like it was the proper World Cup. But apart from that, it meant West Ham didn't play this weekend, didn't have an inevitable loss to Liverpool and it didn't ruin my weekend. So thank you, Premier League, for that. But my villain is a little bit more serious, and my villain is Sky Sports today. And this is connected to the ugly scenes we saw yesterday during Spurs versus Chelsea, where Anthony Rudiger was subject to racist abuse from the crowd. There were announcements made in the stadium concerning the conduct of the fans and threats to call the game off at some point as well. But there was a moment on the coverage from sky sports where gary neville who has been a voice of reason throughout the season on many things i never thought i'd say that let his views on racism known if
0: you missed it here's what he said we have a racism problem in the premier league in england and the premier league i have got to stand up they hide behind the fa the premier league on this issue they hide behind the fa in my opinion they push the, the disciplinary issues and other issues over to the fa yes we we heard the announcements at the end but I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago we 've just had a general election in this country where both main parties and the leaders of both main parties are accused constantly over the last month of fueling racism and accepting racism within their parties so if it 's accepted in the highest office in the country we 're not talking about it at a micro level we 're talking about it at an absolute enormous level, the highest office in the country, and it's the same here today. We've seen an incident, to be fair, which we could call is down to one individual person. but It's a bit far bigger problem than that. I think there has to be something that happens quickly. And it, well, I think ultimately, I said on the thing, I think we maybe have to empower the players to walk off the pitch and stop the entertainment whilst it's happening because that's the only way in which I can see it happen I'm not it was ultimately I didn't walk off the pitch when Ashley was abused 15 years ago and ultimately you might argue that you know it's now okay for me to sit here in my sort of ivory tower of a commentary box and suggest that the you know, player should walk off the pitch but I think ultimately I would be ashamed of myself for not doing 15 years ago and as I would be absolutely proud of players now to empower them to think do something about it take it into your own hands the PFA have got to act because ultimately the PFA are there to protect football players in this country and football players in this country are receiving abuse whilst they're playing football and doing their jobs that is unacceptable so PFA might have to take it into their own hands if the Premier League and FA and stop pointing the finger towards the Bulgarian FA and the Spanish FA because we have to deal with our own ship here. I am compelled to say they are the opinions of, of you, Gary Neville, and not those of, of Sky Sports. That is my duty. But well, Do you not agree with it, Dave? Well, whether I do or I don't is completely irrelevant. That's fine. I'm here to try and hold a balanced debate. What about what Gary well, says? what's
1: Now, I think what Gary Neville says there makes a lot of sense. And I think he speaks intelligently and he speaks passionately about the issue. The problem with Sky Sports in this instance and the reason why they are my villain at the weekend is Dave Jones's intersection at the end going, those are the views of Gary Neville and not Sky Sports, which completely wiped out what should have been a really impactful and powerful moment on television and a statement against racism. So they are my villain of the year,
2: villain of the week rather. But then he's an employee and we can't escape the fact that there are political involvements in all aspects and um, possibly that's part of what he's got to reflect. So maybe he's getting stuff in his ear to just say this. So it's not necessarily it him. It's just, Sky a-
1: Sports shouldn't be going, oh, you need to disfuse this situation. You need to show both sides of the argument. We need to be for racism and against racism. Racism isn't something
2: that anybody needs to be for at any point. But I think it's interesting that this has happened, and yet really, when we look back at it, like it's only it's it's more than twelve months. It's like twelve months and three weeks since we had the incident with Raheem Sterling and the Chelsea fan in the front row. and actually, in in a sense, that was worse because we I all saw that on the telly. And we all heard what they said, although there was a few debates about hmm. whether you use the word mank or something else. <laughs> um and and yet, it's only this incident and the fact that the the protocol was activated, the game was nearly stopped. That's almost brought about what they're talking about now, There's calls for a government inquiry. And so, in a sense, I think the fact that it's moved to this level now may actually bring us to a point where something might actually be done. Because we were faced with the prospect of a televised Premier League game Mm. being stopped.
1: Well, realistically, was it ever going to be stopped? Because they had the one warning within the stadium which is the first step of the protocol. The game gets stopped by Anthony Taylor and he instructs the stadium announcement to go round and say, if this continues, the game will be called off. Can you stop being racist, please? Yeah, exactly. And they do that three times. And we talk about a (laughs) zero-tolerance approach to racism. This isn't a (laughs) zero-tolerance approach to racism. This is... Asking you nicely, yeah, please yeah. stop being a little bit less racist. And if we ask you nicely, if you don't, eventually we might call the game off.
2: If it was, if it was punching you in the face, for example, if your work policy, your workplaces should have a policy which is you can't <laughs> punch somebody else in the face. In the face, if they had a policy of you can punch someone in the face three times before they they stop it. That, that's that's out of order. It's,
3: it, Jim would be in a cast by now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Currently, I think we don't there isn't enough action against i mean it's an easy thing for me to say as a middle-aged white bloke in a radio studio and go there isn't enough action on racism but it does seem to be excessively tolerated and i think that kind of attitude from sky sports in going oh this is getting a bit edgy we're being a bit opinionated it doesn't help the situation no. and i think
2: there's a great opportunity as well because i think we we all know people i mean some of my really good friends don't get why i'm so into football and what i do because of their experiences growing up. And because of the way football, the reputation, and let's be honest, football in the UK in the 70s and the 80s has a terrible reputation in terms of violence and racism. Mm. And so that put a lot of people off at that formative stage when people were getting into football. Now, I think there is a potential here for football to take a lead, and for football to take a stance, and actually do something so good that would bring a whole new generation of people into football because we create a safe space for mm. people and also an exciting example of how you should treat other people and so I would agree with you on, on this that they, they should be a little braver with their stance.
1: And Dave Jones has since tweeted and apologised, Gary Neville said I was, I saw, sorry for interrupting, I was making comment on the political statements that you were making within your kind yeah. of
3: impassioned speech which I, and I think it, that I think that's fine, like you can't as look, no matter your political views, you can't say oh the government's to blame because like millions of people are watching this mm. and it could then snowball into something more. So if you're working for a company, you can't you can't pass that off and everyone knows it's Gary Neville's opinion, which is you it's, know, it's which the, is fine, the, but the, the way is, it
1: was handled, I think, was for me Yeah. The kind of the issue with it. It was kind of almost like dismissive in his statements rather than yeah. maybe Presenting an argument. Do you I think that? Know. Do you
2: think that's just habit? They're just used to dismissing everything Gary think, Neville I, says, <laughs> and now it's just like suddenly started to talk sense. I think Maybe. it's just a
1: natural. It's a natural leaning to to not wanting reaction, not yeah, wanting. Like, yeah, talk- isn't
2: that crazy? It's kind of gone. Like we don't want to upset anybody by saying something that's quite sensible, but we'll tell you three times. Please chop trying to be racist. And
1: the ridiculous thing was Gary Neville was sitting next to Graham Soonis, who has been in that Sky Sports studio repetitively over the last month criticising various players like Paul Pogba for not having a good attitude, like Moise, Moise Kean for not having a yeah. good attitude.
2: Although, to be fair to Graham Souness, when they had the Rainbow Laces campaign a few weeks ago, he suddenly became like <laughs> yeah. the spokesperson for LGBTQ yeah. plus rights in the world. It was amazing yeah, what he said.
1: So I started talking about how much he enjoyed going to Brighton Pride. It's <laughs> yeah. an amazing thing. Yeah, so Sky Sports are my villain in this scenario. As you say, the good thing is, or if you're going to try and pick a positive from the whole scenario, the PFA have now called for a government inquiry into racism in football. It will be very interesting to see whether that has any impact and what that government inquiry finds and whether the protocols, which let's
3: not forget they're UEFA-wide rather than just Premier League, will be changed in any way. The thing, like, even with with racism in football, it's like... It's been said before and it's been, it'll get said again. It's not a problem in football, it's a problem in society. Yeah. And, and football's a reflection of society. Mm. Yeah. And, but- I've, and I've never had, uh, I've said this on a previous podcasts before like, when was there ever a time in England or in the world or any anywhere where there wasn't any racism at all? It's always there. So walking off the pitch isn't going to get rid of it. Finding teams, deducting teams, it's not going to get rid of it because there's always one idiot who feels like it's all right to do it, but because it's ingrained in him. I think the problem is it hundreds of years to get rid of this. People
1: now feel more comfortable expressing those opinions, yeah. than maybe they did five years ago, and that probably is a, a political.
2: Is that the case, or is like, it just never... that we're we're in a much more connected world now, so everything instantly gets? Because bear in mind, oh, no, it's a
1: hundred percent the case that people are more comfortable saying racist things and
3: offering racist views and then hiding behind all freedom of speech I believe what yeah. I want kind of but
2: thing. My, my my point on this was like when I first started going to football games in the early 90s you know there the wasn't the same TV coverage it was just before the Premier League came in um, and so there was things that went on there wasn't necessarily the same amount of uh, policing, uh, there was there were songs that were being sung that I didn't know what the words were, and I was joining in, and then I found out years later what those, those songs were actually were in the words, and I was horrified, you know, even back then. Um, but I think now you're in a position where, as we saw in the in the derby, where that that guy was. Uh, his image was instantly all around the world on social media, Mm. uh, which is going to have an impact on him as well. Yeah, yeah. all all that kind of stuff comes out immediately. So you can't really escape from it as soon as as it's done. So I think there is a slight element of that in there as well.
1: There's more accountability, I guess, for the individuals that do offer these opinions or sing these songs or whatever it is now because they have more CCTV... Yeah, in grounds they have better television coverage and all that. So you're probably right. Uh, let's move on. This is getting quite heavy. Let's
2: do. Let's can, can I just put Huff- in? Can I put my hero? Yeah, go on. Uh, and, and for his- Unless it's the guy who did the monkey chants, <laughs>
1: In which case, no, you can't.
2: Oh, okay, let's move on. No. Uh, my hero is actually going to be Troy Deeney. And it's not for scoring the penalty against United, which is his fourth goal and his fourth penalty against Manchester United. But it was for his post-match comments. I don't know if you saw this. Yeah. Uh, possibly the best yeah. post-match interview I've ever seen as well. And uh, the, the interviewer is talking to him. And... and uh, more or less sort of making out to be you know the hero of the game and all he's done and he says no 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 I'm I'm not a hero my mum's a hero my mum working three jobs just to pay for christmas mm. and uh, you know I'm I'm assuming no reason not to believe this isn't the case of his mum and what she went through as well but for uh, footballers often lambasted for earning so much money and not being out of touch with real life i i think that was a real reflection on just being aware of what's going on, the difficulty that people have all year round, not just at this time of year. And also, you know what? He, he gets a, a bit of a bad reputation. I, I think there's few people outside of Watford Football Club that like Troy Deeney, but I think he's won himself a lot of fans there.
1: Instantly, I think he was talking about his mum in the past working three jobs to pay for Christmas. She's not working three jobs now when he's
3: earning <laughs> oh, <yeah>.
1: thirty-five <laughs> grand a week. I mean, if that was
3: the case, I would not like him. <laughs> yeah. <before. That> doesn't <laughs> put if him she's working three jobs now, she's got the tightest son in the world. <laughs> she? Yeah. There's
1: a great stat while on Troy Deeney. I don't know if you saw this this weekend. He made his fourth start of the season against Manchester United this weekend, just gone under his fourth manager of the season, which is an absolutely incredible and uniquely Crazy. Watford stat, <laughs>
3: yeah. uh, which is absolutely brilliant. Who's your hero, Marley? Uh, well, so you two have gone for quite a, like, heavy, serious things. <laughs> I've gone for <laughs> a football reason. It's I like, know
1: exactly who you've gone for. It's
3: Miguel Almiron. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. 27 games, finally scored his first goal. All we needed to do was play Crystal Palace at home. Um, <laughs> well, why is
2: it that everybody loves him so much at Newcastle?
3: Because he works hard. God, That's what it is. He, he never stops running. He's, he gets a little bit excited when he gets the ball and he makes the wrong decision because he, he he's he sort of makes he just rushes himself basically um he just needs a little bit more quality but that we always said that'll probably come when he gets his first goal because he needs to just calm down a little bit and have a bit more ice in his veins kind of thing um he's finally got his goal this this weekend which was amazing um Andy Carroll was mint again for it. No other player in the Premier League could have won the header he did because mm. he was about ten yards away from the ball when it was about five foot off the floor, and he still managed to head it back. Um, he'd head, yeah. That man would head a cannonball for Newcastle. <laughs> hang on, hang on, go, hang on. Go.
2: Like, so we're talking here. What's happening? So Steve Bruce is winning games at Newcastle. Andy Carroll's playing and he's fit, and Almeron has scored. It must be Christmas. You know?
3: like, the the end of the world
1: is near. Miracle. Yeah. Um, but the test for Elmore now yeah. is, because as you say, people have been saying for the last season and a half, since he came to the club, yeah. he just needs a goal. Yeah. Just needs a goal and that's going to, the test is yeah. now whether he can do that. Because as you said as well, yeah. you were playing against Crystal Palace.
3: Yeah, but they were same, they're in that same mix in the that middle of the table crap fest that, uh, that is, that is yeah. the middle of the table like, let's, we not, don't let's, let's if... not
2: dismiss them because this is the first time no, that Bruce has actually, I actually beaten think, I Hodgson think they, they in might the have been higher than us going
3: into the game I'm not, not really sure um, everyone's on the same points aren't they between Sort of 20 and 25, there's, there's about eight teams in there. but It's
1: a weird thing, Crystal Palace, because they've managed to do all right in the league. They've picked up wins, they've picked up points, but they've had less shots than anybody else in the league. Yeah. Which kind of tells you everything you also need to as know about well the I, th- I think
2: they're the, the only team in the league that have not scored a goal in the first 20 minutes of a game this season. Well, they just
1: haven't scored many,
2: I think. <laughs> yeah. they just not <laughs> scored many at all. First 30 minutes, first five minutes.
3: Yeah. So do you think Almiron will step up now? Is he going to... I hope so, yeah. Um... Yeah, I think so because what? he's he's always been um, brilliant in the things that people don't see on match of the day. For example, he gets like, when we win the ball back on the edge of our area, it goes to him and he runs us up the pitch for sixty yards. He'll be the one leading the counter sack Him and Saint Maximan mm. are the two that get us up the pitch, and they're massively important to how we play. Like we played against Burnley, and Almeron, Saint Maximan, and Shelby were all injured. So and then, and then we got loads. of criticism for humping it towards Andy Carroll that's all we could do because mm-hmm. we haven't got any pace in the team anymore because we took our two best most important fastest players out so it was always going to be like that and then obviously this week he's he's got the goal um, and I've always said I just want his first goal to be at St James's I don't care if he bounces in off his left bollock and goes in <laughs> it doesn't matter what kind of goal it is he just needs to get a goal and he's He's actually finished it quite well. It's an awkward height for him, uh, and he's he's done well to get a, a decent contact on it. Did he get books for the celebration, by the way?
1: Because yeah, I noticed is, he pulled yeah. his shirt off. But he had he had a yeah, shirt then, underneath
2: yeah. as well. There's no sponsorship on it as well. He had like an a Under type thing on. Yeah, that doesn't count. Does it not? No, it's still books. still um, got yellow card. But uh, the the thoroughly thing is, deserved. I might be a bit foolish, but as soon as that goal went in, I I, I put him into my fantasy team. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, no, because, no, because I thought this has unlocked him now. i would be a bit yeah. more relaxed. So the rest of the season, hopefully, some good things are coming. But I think really the reason why I did that is all that I want in life now is for somebody to hug me the way he hugged that ball boy.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said in the podcast a few weeks back, ball boys are on trend for 2020. You've got Duncan Ferguson hugging ball boys. You've got Jose Mourinho praising ball boys. You now you've got, you got Almeron hugging you ball
3: boys. Got Eden Hazard kicking one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well,
2: that, that was a few seasons back. So is it just that actually people talk about investing in grassroots football and the youth? All they've done is they've made nicer ball boys. Is that what's maybe, maybe, maybe that's it. Also, that's...
3: that that ball boy hazard kick was about twenty five. <laughs> he was well big. <laughs> right, let's go for heroes before we get
1: to the break. Who? Uh, sorry, that was our heroes. Let's go for villains before we get to the break. Ooh. You can do your villain first, Dan.
2: All right, I want to go for Gazaniga, uh, <laughs> the the the, uh, the Spurs keeper. In um, Gazaniga or Bruce Lee? <laughs> yeah, well, that it's exactly why I want to know that that tackle, which was was brilliant for two reasons. First of all. Uh, the referee on the pitch, I think it was Anthony Taylor, did not award the penalty, having seen that, oh my which God. which means like so potentially I could have put his optician in uh, for a villain, uh, but VA I it. And you watch it back, and it it looks worse on every occasion that you watch it. Basically, it's a finishing move worthy of the WWE. <laughs> yeah. So Gazaniga has his career sorted. We've seen this a few like recently. We had um, the the boxer, what's he called, went over to the WWE. Tyson Fury. Uh, Tyson Fury, yeah. So I think you can follow in Tyson Fury's footsteps. Gazaniga. that door is open for you.
1: (laughs) Do we think that Jose Mourinho had just given his players a real kind of like go and and get up and kind of team talk beforehand? Because we saw... Son being uncharacteristically
3: aggressive in that game as well and getting sent off. It was definitely a match full of uh, rushes of adrenaline,
2: wasn't it? Rush of blood to the head. I I, I love Son's reaction whenever he gets sent off because he's had a few of them as well. And it's just like, it's just the drama and the guys and kind of both arms come out, he drops to the floor and his head drops out. And it's just like, I don't believe it. It's like Victor Meldruf. Yeah. That's not too much of a reference. Yeah. Um, that's what it's one thing that wound me
3: up at the weekend. Like everyone's like, Oh, who oh, is he's, he's not that kind of player. <laughs> it's like everyone snaps at some yeah. point. Like it doesn't I don't care whether you're the flipping Virgin Mary, if you're going two footed on someone, you're getting sent off. It doesn't matter what your previous reputation is. And or if you kick someone like he did, it was a clear kick, it was a clear red card yeah. and you he, you know, he looks like he's gonna cry. Cheers, son's crying. That all, <laughs> all those memes came out again. Um, and then he, he dropped to the floor, and it's like, well, you've still kicked him in the ribs. Yes, you haven't hurt him, but it's violent conduct, and
2: you're off. It and was let's, very, very let's evocative forget. of Beckham's uh, little flick out in yeah. '98.
3: Yeah, and it's he's been sent off three times this year. So, twice. I, I mean, one got rescinded, but st- he still broke his bloody leg, didn't he? Mm. Smashed him to smithereens. Maybe he is that kind of player. Right, let's wrap it I'm up. I'm not saying with... he is that type of player, but he, he those challenges exist and you've got to be yeah. punished for them, so Right, let's wrap no it up sympathy. with your villain then, Marley. My villain of the week or villains is Arsenal Fan TV. Because <laughs> Again, I'm sure you've nominated them several times before for this. And i keep doing it. As long <laughs> as long as, this, as long as this feature continues, I will keep hammering him. Um it are I went on, so I was on Twitter on uh, on Saturday, and I seen the the thing about two half two o'clock, half two in the afternoon or whatever it was, of the Arsenal fans just getting very aggressive towards them and singing "Get out of our club," Arsenal Fan mm. TV, "Get out of our club," and it just put a massive smile on my face because that toxicity, toxicity that that channel brings, it's a, it's very powerful and fair. Fair play to them for building such a a platform for things, but those things are bad things. They, pr- they profit off Arsenal losing. Is it?
1: So that, that's has, not good. Has the channel developed from the toxicity or has the channel contributed to the toxicity at Arsenal at the moment? I think it's contributed to it, to be honest. Because um, that emotions, because it all started out with Wenger out, essentially. That was where it all bubbled up from,
3: wasn't it? Yeah. The but, kind of last few years of his reign. Yeah, yeah. But they're making so much money off views from... I know it's not just Arsenal fans watching it. It's it's other people saying, oh, this would be funny to watch these yeah. lot.
1: Which is why it works well with neg- negativity, because people are only going to watch it. No one's going to go and watch it. Exactly. Watch Mr. DT being happy about an Arsenal result, are they?
3: Exactly. So that's that's why um, they know that. They know that bad uh, you know, negativity breeds more views. And they're more likely to put these the same people on every week. The DT, a middle-aged man with a snapback. <laughs> troops, another middle-aged man with a, a beer gut and a, a flipping snapback cap saying blood and fam and words that I don't even know what what they mean. It's it's mad.
2: So let me get this clear. The, it was the actual Arsenal fans were singing Get yeah, Arsenal, yeah. the fan TV app. Yeah. Now this is after so they, he was the Ars- Arsenal his... Football Club club. Have made them remove the word Arsenal from there, I think, because yeah. it's now AFTV. AFTV, yeah. Wow, that's 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 really sort of a turn up for the books, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the it... actual club are going. These guys are a problem. I, I could see a thing, you know, like when sometimes I've been like you see Wimbledon move, and you had MK Dons, and then you, they set their own Wimbledon, and you had uh, United similarly as well. When when the, the the Glazers came in, and they've set up their own United FC. Could we see like you know an alternative? fan TV thing being launched to compete against. It just seems ridiculous.
1: All fan TV is exactly the same. Yeah. They all prey on the negativity of the club, and it's easier and it's funner to talk about bad stuff than it is good stuff. Yeah. But Arsenal TV are just the forerunners and one of the most successful. Is is, is
2: that that why? Is that because they've been so successful and you've seen Robbie uh, pop up on different things elsewhere because of it. Is that why the other clubs have gone, oh, we could do this, we could make money off the back of this?
3: Probably, yeah, because... They were the first ones to to kind of harness the power of it, and then, I mean, now you see uh, there was something of Man United um, fan channel got into a press conference, like being like applying as as um, as mm. press to get in it, and that that's absolute balls, man. You can't do that. You just you're just a fan. You're not trained to. Give the news to fans through contacts and things like that. You've just you've got the fan base, and I know journalism's kind of dying, and clubs are looking at other ways of, of connecting with the fans, but it's just it's just silly for me. Like it's just based off negativity, yeah. and that that can only be a bad thing for the club. You claim, and I use that word very strongly, claim to support because there's no, I wouldn't breathe, I wouldn't go and you know, absolutely slag my team off just be- to become a bloody YouTube, a viral YouTube guy. It's, it's no but if it's to, a podcast, no that's to support, a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, let's take a break there. We're
1: back in a minute. We're going to talk about David De at Manchester United. Is it time for the Red Devils to cash in on their keeper? And we're going to talk about Pep Guardiola, who's been having a bit of a whinge again. we we'll are doing it next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Premier League updates. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast
0: now so you never miss an episode.
1: Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily. It was another weekend of Premier League action and another depressing result for Manchester United and another high-profile cock-up from David De Gea. Here's a great stat for you. Since the start of the 2018-19 Premier League season, no player has made more errors leading to goals than David De Gea. And that's six errors in total. So, and this is an opinion that you proffered on the sports social Twitter account, Marley. Yeah. At the sports social. Is it time to get rid of David De Hare, Cash in
3: on him while he still has
1: some stock left.
3: For, so, for me personally, I don't see the point in having a goalkeeper like um, Dean Henderson mm. if he's not. If there's no clear route for him into the first team. So, for example, he's he's literally prob he's arguably been the best goalie in the league this season, yeah, Dean Henderson. Um, and then, judging by you know De Gea's poor form, and let's be honest, he hasn't been in good form for three years now. He hasn't had he, he he's not the goalie he once was, and I think that's down to staleness and and boredom. He knows United aren't a a title challenging side. He knows they're not going to win big things, and I think motivation drops. Mm. Um, for players like that, and I think it's really reflecting in his concentration and his performance. Because I mean, that was that was shocking at the weekend. He's clearly thinking of starting a counter attack before he's got the ball. But most goalies that are worth fifty, sixty, seventy million, whatever you want to, whatever you want to uh, price him at, they're capable of catching the ball and then throwing it. Not thinking, I'm going to throw this. I mean,
2: don't think he, you have to be sixty million not to be able it. to do that. He exactly.
1: doesn't, it doesn't seem like he's at the same. Level
3: of the Edison's no, of this world anymore? Not, not even close. Um, but going back to uh, um, the the Twitter thing, I put it on quarter past three on um, Sunday. I was watching the game, um, and I just asked on Twitter, "Is it not worth cashing in under Gea using the money?" And then I put at least eighty million, but that might be a bit much. Like, but let's say, let's say fifty.
1: Only uh, it was probably only in the only in the summer they were talking about ninety or so million from mm-hmm. Real Madrid,
3: weren't they? Yeah, but judging by Allison being the most expensive goalie in the world at 70... Uh, sorry, Kepper at 75. Mm. You wouldn't put De Gea more than That's that. So, so maybe, maybe like 50, 65, whatever you want to put in him. Uh, is it not worth cashing in on him to strengthen other areas and make Henderson number one goalie? Uh, Michael Jones replied, I'd cash in, use Romero as number one for a season and Henderson as keeper, and then promote Henderson to number one. I, I personally disagree because I think Henderson... I think Romero is the most overrated number two ever. Um you we see him twice a season against bloody Stockport County and he makes a good save and everyone says oh he's he's brilliant. But Henderson Henderson's is, proved his worth of he? he's he's English, uh so you don't need to spend money on someone, you know, squad filling third third choice goalie to to keep your English quarter up. Um so he's put, you know, I'd I'd use Romero and, and then have Henderson and then put Henderson in the season after next. Um, somebody else is put. Who's going to buy him for that price? Which is, is very, very fair enough. Paul Humphrey said that you get fifty million for him though. Probably you probably would on um, reputation
2: alone. Yeah, and I. But, I but that's to the problem him. is his reputation isn't so good right now. Yeah, but then, but then at the same time, are we being unfair? The... Are we being unfair on him because he is playing behind that Manchester United defence who aren't what they should be, even with the introduction of Harry Maguire coming in. He's not made the players around mm. him better. wan you've got has been good, but still you've got Lindelof's dropped off. Uh, Phil Jones has been coming in and out. Has Lindelof he's still not dropped there. off
3: or has he just always been average? I think he's Fair one point. of the biggest wastes of money of the last five or six years. He's, he's rubbish in the air. not lived up to his billing when he first came to Manchester United. Exactly, yeah. Um... So I, I replied to him, I reckon PSG or Real, PSG will get duped into spending too much money on a player, <laughs> let's be honest. Uh, Real Madrid, uh, Courtois, pff, rubbish. So maybe they'd still be in for him for the right price. I wonder, and this is based on absolutely
1: nothing, so it is a genuine question. I wonder whether we're seeing a fundamental change in the way goalkeepers play football, because we have seen a lot of goalkeepers in the last four years significantly drop off from being in the bracket of world-class to, as you say, like people like Courtois, mm. who was brilliant at Chelsea mm. and very disappointing at Real Madrid now. De Gea,
2: who's really dropped off at Manchester United. Joe Hart. Yeah, five years ago he Liverpool. was the the, the, the championship winning goalkeeper. He was England's number one, and now what is he second choice at Burnley? No, no, third choice. He's behind. No,
3: second now because he's all Heaton. He no was way. third choice, <laughs> but then sold well, they've Heaton got another to keeper. They've got Nick Pope. John oh, and someone uh, else ahead of him. We've reason. got Peacock Farrell uh, from Leeds. He's been playing ahead of them as well. Uh, I think he's been on the bench more than him. Um, so the, got, I, think, I think we're all yeah. in agreement
1: pretty much that you get rid of David De Hare, you play Dean Henderson, because essentially the other concern for Manchester United is that if Dean Henderson goes back to Manchester United and he is likely to at the end of the mm. season, he's well, only on loan at He's just Sheffield. signed a new long-term contract at United as well. But how long, how long is he going to be happy there playing... Third or even second fiddle behind yeah. another goalkeeper, and you can't imagine it would be that long.
3: It's it's using or losing, for me.
2: Like with Henderson, um, um, can I just say yeah. as well what we were talking about statistics? Um, the statistic that I saw, which really stood out for me, it's not the penalty one, is it? No, it's it, it's right. it's it's not the penalty one. So uh, basically, it d- doesn't look very good. So because they conceded goals this weekend, um, United and De Gea. Have only kept two clean sheets this season, which is the same number of clean sheets <laughs> that David Martin has kept, who made his Premier League debut 22 days ago <laughs> <There you go. laughs> for
1: West Ham. D- David Martin for England. I think that's all that says to <laughs> everyone <laughs> for <DM> Real Madrid. <laughs> uh, let's wrap up quickly with Pep Guardiola, who has been whinging at fixture congestion because the whole load of Christmas games, as there always is every single season. So Pep Guardiola has written a letter. To the Premier League about the Christmas fixture program, which is wonderfully old school, isn't it? <laughs> Writing a letter. Brilliant. I hope he's written it on like the left side of a Christmas card. He's done to the Premier. League. <laughs> like, dear Premier League, please don't make my players play so much. He's got his Christmas list I, I, on the back.
2: A new centre back. I, I, can, can you imagine, you can imagine if he got the envelopes mixed up and he sent that complaint letter to Santa? And the <laughs> Premier League got his list of wants. <laughs> so City play Wolves on the
1: twenty seventh of December. Then forty six hours and fifteen minutes later, they play Sheffield United. Does Pep have any reason to complain here? Or uh, is this just the age-old story of fixture congestion at Christmas? Because at the end of the day, we all want to watch football at Christmas. The Premier Mm. League want to make money off us watching football at Christmas. The clubs want to make money off the Premier League making us watch football at Christmas. It's just the way the business works. And Pep Guardiola and the other managers, because City are certainly not alone in this scenario,
2: just need to get on with it. It's a cultural thing because you're looking at a, a, a man who made his name as a player in Spain, as a manager with Barcelona, uh, staying on there, then moving over to Bayern Munich, and but a continental Europe has a very different uh, f- fixture lineup throughout the season. To, mm. and and so he's come here. This is his fourth season now, so he knows what it's like. Mm. And so in, in that letter of complaint, having not seen it, I'm assuming it's more of a kind of like just putting pressure on and saying, look, you know, you need to think about this. And possibly with the but Qatar World Cup. But they have World thought Cup. about it because yeah.
1: they us that Chris, well,
2: that uh, winter break
1: that's not really a winter break, but, but yeah. staggered games in January.
2: Yeah, and, and so we're, we're, we're looking towards this thing as well. There's maybe a move coming towards it as well as we move towards the Qatar World Cup as well. That there's something going to come in there. Maybe this is just going to mount up. If we're having more and more managers coming in, because we just had Ancelotti announced at Everton as well, Um I I don't know whether you need to go though. Should we change it or should we keep it? The the quintessential Englishness mm. of of going to watch a game on Boxing Day or Panto.
1: I think like <laughs> it's a, it's part of football tradition, as you say, and it is a cultural thing. There aren't more continental managers coming in. There's more English and British managers in the Premier League than there has been in a long, long time. Fifty percent, I think it is at the moment. Is it fifty percent or is it? 11 out of 20. It's uh, so either 10 or 20 or 11 out of 20. Yeah. yeah, So I can't see it changing any time soon. And when I look at Pep Guardiola making these complaints, you've got to look at also Wolves, Bournemouth, Leicester and Newcastle all have worse f- fixture congestion over that period. They all play games in a, even it's like five minutes here and there, but a shorter period of time than Man City. So they're in no way alone in this scenario. Yeah, and and yeah. to
2: be fair, Man City probably have the biggest, strongest squad out of all the teams in the Premier League.
3: Yeah, and yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of them, isn't it? It's just it's we're all used to it. And foreign managers who come in aren't, and they they're probably right in what they say, as in you want the best quality. Why you're playing them so much? Mm. But you know, other other countries have winter breaks better than us. I think Germany have um, the first two weeks of January or possibly three weeks. It's, it's almost a month of fixtures. They have January completely off, so they play up to Christmas like normal games. One one game a week. Uh, on a Saturday or Sunday and then that's it then they have like two or three weeks off and England have gone by oh yeah we'll have a winter break but then give the the crappest winter break ever where only half of the teams have a have a thing but for me it's it's the wrong it's at the wrong time why give a winter break in January when all the congestion is still there in December Mm. so if you're going to have it have it at the right
2: time is there a little bit of pop psychology coming on here? Because after all, it's a letter to the FA. It's not an open letter to the the newspapers as we sometimes see. So uh, somebody's leaked this somewhere deliberately. So is is there a potential thing of um, just to distract from other things that have been going on? You know. So maybe there's a
1: potentially lot- making excuses.
2: Pepper Ooh. likes an excuse, doesn't he? Does we all like an, ex- an excuse, let's be honest, especially this time of year. Yeah, I didn't get you something because it was busy. Because of fixture congestion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, I mean, to add to the City conspiracyists who,
1: I mean, the City fans like a good conspiracy at the moment, don't they? The longest breaks for teams over Christmas are Liverpool, Arsenal and Chelsea. <laughs>
3: You could not make it up. You couldn't make it up. But you Uh, could plan it if you were the Premier League.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The
2: evil (laughs) Premier League
3: computer that's been hacked by the Russians. Yeah. And on that bombshell.
1: Uh, Right, we're going to leave the Premier League daily there. We didn't talk about the relegation zone and the bottom three, because Watford are at the bottom of the table come Christmas. Traditionally, that is a very bad sign. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. On Football Social Daily. So if you've got an opinion, who's going to stay up, who's going to go down, get us on our Twitter account at The Sports Social, and we'll give you a shout out on tomorrow's podcast. Make sure you've clicked subscribe, however, you listen to this show, and we'll see you next time. Bye bye. Football Social Daily, Premier League Updates.